0: This is an Emmaus Church podcast. For more information about Emmaus Church, please visit EmmausDenver.com. How long do we have to cover all that line by line? Let me uh, just start and ask for help with prayer. God, you are um, you're, you're so good to us you are regularly showering us with your good gifts when we reject you or don't think of you or don't consider you or struggle to believe you. Um, And yet you're so committed to your people. You, um, You bless us when we curse you. Lord, I pray that as we kind of work our way through this passage a little bit, that we would walk away with a renewed sense of just your commitment and your care and your concern for us, Lord, you've sent your servant. We're we're in Advent season, celebrating the first and looking forward to the second coming of our Lord, and um, I think it's just hard, and we want a reminder that you care and that you're present, you're gracious. You're kind, you're good. Um, Help us believe that via your spirit and through your word this morning. In your name I pray, amen. It's interesting that Ben, I couldn't help but think of what Ben read at the beginning. Where Simeon's basically like, I can depart in peace. I've seen the glory of the Lord. You know, like he's, he sees baby Jesus and is like all stoked and is like can end his life with joy. And, you know, even while we're reading along where there's so much, you know, the, the voice of the watchman, they lift up their voice together. They sing for joy, break forth together into singing. You know, so it's interesting even to think about how Simeon would have had like some of the weight of this. Uh, waiting for the Messiah to come, and and then through the Spirit and the Word, like realizing that the baby that he was looking at was the fulfillment of all the passages that we've been going through over the last few chapters, and just like the like the exuberance that comes from him uh, in that story. So I couldn't I couldn't help but think of that, and I and I it, Isaiah is just hard because as we like walk through giant chunks of Scripture like this where there's like Historical context. There's there's biblical theological context. There's uh, fulfillment in 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 the servant. Uh, it's just hard when we are looking at a, a piece of scripture this way that has so many different angles and 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 layers to it uh, to sort of filter it out enough to be like. Here is the thing, <laughs> or or here's the thread, or this is what we want to focus on, or this is what we want to learn from this and and I think there's there's a lot of different ways we could approach a big section like this, but i but as I like read through it as I thought about it, um, it's kind of i think I think really the impetus here or the like thing that keeps coming up, and you know even at the beginning of chapter fifty one it's like, listen to me, give attention. Uh, lift up your eyes, listen to me, awake. <laughs> you know, like, like God is kind of like calling our attention regularly in this section. And so I, I think one thing that we can just be thinking about, one thing that we can be considering as we walk through this, this idea, this passage is that it, if you're seeking God, he is for you. If you're seeking God, he is for you. And I hope that we'll unpack this a little bit. Uh, I hope that will like, the, the truth of that will kind of unfold, maybe I'll put it that way, uh, as we work through this section. But, but I want to start with that. If you're seeking God, he's for you. And he's going to say this over and over and over again. And I want to maybe just start by saying, it is kind of that simple um, for his people. If you're, and I, and I, here's where I'm going with that. When I hear that phrase, if you're seeking God, he is for you, lots of questions come up in my head. Like, what does it mean that he's for me, you know? should I go buy a lottery ticket if I worship this morning? You know, like, that's obviously, like, (laughs) the answer is no. I mean, you can if you want to, but. (laughs) Um, Yeah, what is it, you know, what does that mean then that that God is for me? Like, where do I, how do I, like, decipher that a little bit? Um, Another kind of question that comes up in my mind is what, like, what if I struggle to seek him? Um my uh, there's four extra people in my house now. It's uh hard for me to concentrate, <laughs> which is why I lose a katan more regularly now. <laughs> I'm blaming that. Um yeah, but uh, even just like uh what is then then how much effort then can I give to g- legitimately like seeking after God himself? And if I if I don't give the effort, is he still for me? And I kind of want to push a lot of those things aside a little bit to say simply, we complicate it a little bit sometimes. We like add layers to these things that I think scripture uh, would ca- tell us to hesitate a little bit. On that, Because God is so good, so gracious, so capable. I mean, we're talking about the servant through this chapter because he did everything exactly right. (laughs) He's the one that's gonna build the kingdom. He's the one that went to the cross. He's the one that rose from the dead. He's the one that everyone is anticipating all the way up to even what we read in Luke. He's the one who is completely and utterly imaged and followed and demonstrated the character of God with perfection on every front. Yes, Lord. Amen. And if you're united to him, if God is speaking to his people, which is what he's doing right here. Then I can say with a straight face, because of what the servant has done. If you're seeking God, he is for you. I can say that and, and mean it and believe it. Even if you could have done something better this week. <laughs> Even if you woke up with a headache from the Christmas party the next day. There's a few chuckles there. I don't know, I'm not, <laughs> so. Because God's disposition toward you isn't based on how well you seek Him, and if you're seeking Him, if you're pursuing Him, if you're if you're moving towards Him in, in any way, shape, or form, it's, it's a work of the Spirit because of your union with Christ. So your even your desire or your uh, your lack of your maybe just your Discomfort with the amount of seeking that you do is evidence that the spirit is stirring in you to reveal to you that really true joy and peace and happiness, fulfillment, eternal life, like pick a category, is found in God himself. And we know that we like regularly look for one of or many of those things in something less than God. And so the spirit does what the spirit is meant to do is he brings conviction and he desires to draw us closer and deeper and more regularly with God himself. And so if we're seeking God, then he's for you. I like how he says this in chapter 51, verse one, and um, we'll just, we'll be in Isaiah. That will not be on the screen for the rest of the time. Um, so if you want to follow along, I'll try to verse reference for you, um, but you don't have to. Um, we'll be in Isaiah. And then uh, I, I'd like, hopefully if, if we have time, we'll, we'll jump ahead to Matthew. Um, but we'll, when we do that, we'll put something on the screen. Um, look at what he says. Uh, verse one, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Here he is starting this segment, this, this prophecy saying, and, and, and let me, the parallel between you who seek righteousness and you who seek the Lord, we've talked about this before. Righteousness is, is true. Righteousness is not found in you. It's not found in me. It's not in God himself. So you're seeking the same thing. Um, the, from a theological perspective, I would say as we've, See God as we are closer to his goodness and his glory and his majesty, and so as, we, as we behold his glory, Paul would say, that necessarily then transforms us. Like we're diff- we become different people because we experience more of who God is. So I'm not setting aside like sanctification or anything like that. But this is what he says Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. You who seek God. And he tells the story. He's like, look at Abraham and Sarah. He's speaking to a nation who has actually been living in a time of fair amount of luxury. And, and as Isaiah is writing some of these things, there's some definitely some danger things are coming, you know, so there, you'll, you'll get plenty of that in Isaiah. But he's speaking to an entire nation that's like living the high life, basically. And he's kind of asking them, as they're stressing about these things that are going on, where did you come from? And most of us that have been in church kind of know the story. Two old people that couldn't bear children, <laughs> you know? God said, hey, you guys, I'm going to make you a nation. And I think 70 people went into Egypt and out came, you know, who knows, a couple of million. God's like, I. those of you who are seeking after me, God is like reminding us and encouraging us, look at how I work. And if you're worried and you're concerned and you're like, well, I'm not sure God is for me because this circumstance is like ridiculous or things have, I'm not sure there's a way out or I don't know what's going on. Like we're we're always kind of looking for ways in our mind to think that God isn't for us. And here is Isaiah the prophet saying, hey, 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 you know, like with my kid. Hey, 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 (laughs) like, you know, he's gonna say it like a bunch here. Look back and see what God has done. We're reading a prophecy about a nation that God looked at an old couple and said, you, I want you to be a powerful nation. And eventually the Messiah is going to come through you. Oh, also, I need you to pack up and leave your house and go somewhere. Where? We'll get to that later. (laughs) Just go. Leave all your family, all your friends, and go. God's like, look, I, <laughs> Abraham, God stepped in and drew Abraham to him and said, I'm for you, Abraham. And Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He, he believed what God was saying. He sought the Lord along the way, this crazy journey, and, and here we are with Israel, with an entire nation. I think sometimes, too, when we are um, thinking about what it means for God to be for us, sometimes we have an idea of what that looks like. And when that falls apart, it then feels like he's not for us. Like we have projected what it means when God says, hey, I'm for you. Like we've painted that picture a certain way in our, in our lives. But the reality is that the salvation, we could use that word, the rescue, the restoration, the, um, the new creation reality, like whatever like kind of Christian framework we want to put on that, that God is working for us is an eternal, unchanging, sure certainty. (laughs) I think even Ben read that this morning in the call to worship. Like or that was actually in our one of the things we said. (laughs) Like our future is certain. It's sure. And here is Isaiah saying the same thing to his people. Jump ahead. Verse 6, he says, Isaiah 51, verse 6, he says, lift up your eyes to heaven and look at the earth beneath. I was just talking to someone who was getting into the, like the telescopes, or, like track. I don't know. I don't know anything about telescopes, but he was just telling me about it. And he said, it's really, huge. when I asked him, I was like, what was like the coolest thing you've seen? And he watched a lunar eclipse and he said the moon just looks like a, a dime up there, like a like a, a pin, you know, like a coin or something. Like when you watch it in the telescope, like with your own eyes, and you begin to see the light change, all of a sudden the like shape of the moon becomes like crazy vivid. And and here is Isaiah saying, Hey, let's take a second and consider the earth we stand on. And everything that includes. Let's take a second to consider the heavens. And man, with the the technology we have today, like the images in my mind that are just flashing through that even the people reading this didn't have. But if you've ever been outside where there's no light pollution, it's pretty amazing. Let's take a second to consider the grand nature of everything that God has created. And look at what he says. Look up to the heavens, look at the earth. Verse six, for the heavens vanish like smoke and the earth will wear out like a garment. Sounds kind of crazy. But, but my salvation will be forever. But my salvation will be forever. When I say that we should seek God because he's for you, think about the temporal things. Think about the heaven and earth things that we lose or are threatened or cause difficulty that make us then doubt his character. Make us doubt the truth that he's for you. And I think the prophet is looking at the people saying all of these wonderful things about what the servant will accomplish. And and actually in Peter, it says Isaiah didn't totally understand like what was going on, you know. So he's giving us these prophecies and seeing types like shadows and, and understanding that in some sense, like those who will come after the Messiah will have like a better understanding even of what he's saying. But he's looking at God's people And he's saying, look at the stars, look at the earth, consider all of the cool and wonderful and good and beautiful things that we enjoy in here. But all of that stuff is gonna pass away and God's rescue, his salvation, his new creation, his plan for you is gonna be forever. Forever. He repeats it, but from a different angle. I think he's kind of attacking where we, we put weight. Like when we, when we doubt God's care for us, uh, we put weight on things in heaven, and things on the earth. Like we, we put weight on like things around us. But another thing we put a lot of weight on is people conflict stuff, <laughs> you know? Like that's hard, and it's not always like knockout, drag out conflict, you know. Sometimes it's just like disappointment. Sometimes it's just your four-year-old nagging you for, you know, two hours. You know, like, like they're, like they're, Sometimes it's it's a fear of something weighty and huge. We always tell JJ, like, hey, I'm out of patience, JJ. <laughs> just so you know, Daddy is struggling. <laughs> but. Uh, we, but so, but sometimes it's, you know, I mean, there are uh, a Mayes church has been through some like relational conflict that that has a lot in in a lot on the stake. What's the phrase I'm looking for? Uh, a lot to worry about, whatever that, however you want to say that. Uh, Scum of the earth is working through some stuff now. Like there's like relational things like weigh on us. Like we can think about work situations. Where we get, like we're just wondering about the social pieces that are happening. You know, there, there's there's a lot of, I would say, just anxiety or a lot of just sadness or grief, and we and we think about the people around us, and we're like, Lord, are you for me? And I think that's what he's trying to encourage. Verse seven, another, listen to me. Listen to me, you who know righteousness. He might as well even say, listen to me, those of you who know me. Like, like I'm your God. I care for you. Are you aware of just who I am? Listen to me, you who know righteousness. The people in whose heart is my law. Like you, you understand like the, my good character. You know what is right or wrong. You, you have a sense of that. Fear not the reproach of man, or be not dismayed at their revilings. You know, reproach is like a correction. You know, like I, you know, I met. I don't like being wrong, and I am, and so I have to deal with that. <laughs> That's life. But telling me that is hard. Like. And I'm not even saying that's not even like a bad thing, but like how many of us spin about making sure we do the absolute most right thing, so we don't have to be in that situation where we did the wrong thing and have to hear that, you know? Like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I can't. I'm not speaking from a experience or anything. So. <laughs> Fear not the reproach of man. <laughs> Be not dismayed at their revilings. That's more negative, you know, just like giving you a hard time. Well, I don't have to worry about reproach or revilings if I just do everything right. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, he, but he's saying the same thing. He's trying to help us have a real true sense that if we, if we seek God, he's for us, like forever, <laughs> It says, moth will eat them up and the worm will eat them like wool. What a, what a picture that is, right? Like a corpse in the ground, worm will eat them up. But again, he says the same thing. My righteousness will be forever and my salvation to all generations. And I want to go, uh, I'll say, I mean, I'll try to say this briefly. Like the problem with life is that we are separated from God. And as he restores that relationship and we get to enjoy him and seek him, he's telling you that's never gonna change. You're, you're connected to him in and then through the servant, the, through the gospel, through what Jesus has done. my righteousness will be forever. The the character of God that brings you peace and joy and his affections for you and his care for you, his consideration for you, his love for you, not going away. Don't worry about other people who will find out you did something wrong. Don't worry about reviling. Don't worry about people hating on you because the creator looks at you, loves you, is drawing near to you and is saying, that's not ever gonna change. That's never gonna change. I think this section is just saying, if we seek God, we need to know with certainty he is for you. Now, the, the next section is like, oh, man, that is really good. I love that reality. The next section is like, okay, okay, okay. Let's have an honest conversation then. <laughs> Let's be real with like what's going on in life, in the world, in my mind, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because it shifts. In the, in the, in the narrative, it shifts to someone speaking to God. And that shift happens in verse nine. But I think, you know, and I will we'll read this, but I think, I think that this sort of request to God sounds kind of flip, flippant at first, but I think it's coming from a good place. And I'll explain why. Look at what he says. This is, part, the, kind of the, this is sort of the, the honest conversation here. So all those good things about God being for us. In verse nine, awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord, Awake, as in days of old. It's like, oh, you're, in a room. you're telling me to look back on what you've done? You're telling me that you're for me? You're telling me that, that your salvation is forever? Then I, I read that and it's like, it's like whoever's speaking and we don't like, you know, it's just a, speaking to God. It's like, then wake up. And I was like, oh, that took a turn. You know, like as we're, maybe not, you know, but I think that there's an honest, I think there was a legitimately like an honest cry that we can have as we seek God. Like we can go to him and we can see the difficulty. We can see the need for salvation, the need for restoration. I'd say we can see the painful consequences of people who are separated from God. We can see the painful consequences of our own separation from God. And I think we can go to him and plead with him and say, God, act, do something. This is why I think the, the, whoever's saying this is coming from like a good place because it's, it has this like cadence, like the Psalms um, through eight, like nine, 10 and 11, because it, he's like, there's this cry, there's this cry out to God, but then there's like a, a measure of confidence in what God will do. And that's like a really common thing in the Psalms. Like you're being emotionally honest with the Lord <laughs> you're going to him and asking for him to act and to to, into into it uses the phrase um put on strength arm of the lord that's like that's a very poetic way of saying do something do something and look at verse 10 he's uh, this person speaking is reminding themselves of what God has done. Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a way for the redeemed to pass over? He's like, Lord, I know that you can act because I can look back at what you've done, and he points to Moses and parting the Red Sea. Like, like I've seen you do things that are ridiculous. You have split the sea. And made it dry ground so that the entire nation could walk across the Red Sea and, and ultimately destroy the enemies who were against them. He's remembering what God has done, even as he cries out to them. And, he, and then he says, the ransom of the Lord, in verse 11, the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. There's an anticipation there. And I mean, what a great Advent cry, you know? Like here we are celebrating what God has done in the resurrection of Jesus Christ in his first coming and singing about it, praising God for it, approaching our heavenly father because of it. And yet we can look around and be like, we gotta do the next part. Like I, there's, there's struggle, I, there's issues, there's problems like Lord help do something, And I think just like the person here is we we're having this sort of honest conversation with God. We can remind ourselves of the, the reality that he will restore all things. His salvation is eternal. Nothing will ever change about our relationship as it comes to like being in the presence of God and enjoying that. They'll only increase and grow more fruitful. And someday we'll see him face to face and all of us will be made like him. I like. I like God's response in verse twelve. This is the court of like an honest conversation here. There's a cry to Him. He says, "I am He who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? Have you forgotten the Lord your Maker?" who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth? And you fear all day because of the wrath of the oppressors? Like, do you know who I am? Verse 16, he he says, I have put my words in your mouth. I th- well the first thing, I mean, I, we say a lot. This is like a new thing. Like we sing things that we don't really like realize what we're singing all the time. <laughs> like the classic Emmaus history one is the refiner song, you know, like be a fire. You're like, I don't, do I want that? You know, <laughs> so <laughs> like God has given us things about his character that we say, but, but maybe aren't actually something that's like deep down. Believed, but but those words are there because God has spoken to us. He says, "I've I've given you. I've put my words in your mouth and and covered you in the shadow of my hands." And then here he gives a kind of a reality check, I think, for us in this this conversation where there's a cry, there's a response, and then I think God is just saying, "Like, let's get real." Verse seventeen. Wake yourself. Wake yourself, O Jerusalem. You who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath. Like, in a, I think what he's doing is he kind of works through this section because the cry is like, Lord, arise. You know, like, do something. And he turns it back on us. And I think, I think this whole picture in the next few verses, and then kind of goes through uh, you know, some more discouraging things, but I think, the, I think what he's saying here, that this whole idea is that the, the, even in this historical context, much less like the broader context of the fall of Adam or, or even just the, the book of Proverbs and the reality that there are consequences for our sin... God is saying, you're in this place because you've rejected me. You're in this place because you regularly turn away from me. You're in this place because you haven't been seeking me. As God speaks to us, uh, uh, he kind of said, look, if we're seeking God, he is for us. That's kind of where we're, like, the big theme, I would say. We have this honest conversation with God and say, well, then do something. And he says, look, remember who I am. Like, remember my character. Remember what I've done for you. Also, reality check, what were, where were you going? <laughs> You were ignoring me. You weren't seeking me. You were going after other things. And here you are, Jerusalem in this, in this instance, the people of God are reaping the consequences of what they've done. There's like, it's like, there's, there's no Your sons have fainted. They lie at the head of every street like an antelope in a net. They're full of the wrath of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. Like this is, this is where you have ended up because of you not seeking me. And I think that, well, not think, I'll just say, it's very important, I think. I can't help but say that, I guess. It's healthy for us to take an honest look at what God is saying to us and recognize how often we just aren't seeking him. And that could be for like a number of reasons, right? With, the, we're in the holidays, you know? Like, there are like a million things. And I would say good things. I love that we celebrate and get together, you know? I like to fill my house up. When you guys leave, other people are coming after Christmas. <laughs> I'm also weak. So when I get up in the morning and I try to take some time to seek the Lord, whatever that looks like, it's hard for me because I'm broken and weak and tired. When God gives me good gifts and I just enjoy them and think they're wonderful and won't stop talking about them, <laughs> how regularly then do I see those as something coming from the hand of God? Not, I should more often recognize the, the wonder and the, and the good things that he pours out to me Whatever it is, I mean, I think, man, uh, reading, uh, I mean, references. the body keeps the score. Interesting book, sad book, crazy book, all the things. Um, but it's sometimes it's difficult for us to draw near to God because of just things that have been done to us. that are outside of our control. And I think if we were to dwell on then, when when God gives us this reality check of saying, hey, uh, part of why you're here is because you ignored me. When God gives us this reality check and we dwell on that too much, I think that's not a good place. But when we don't recognize that at all, I think there's I think that's not a good place because then we don't understand how gracious God really is. Because I want to go back to where I started at the beginning. He's for you even when you're running away from him. This is what he says. Look at what he says. This is the good news. This is the This is like coming back to saying, remember He's for you. I think it's it's healthy to see how we run from the Lord. And we kind of sit in that sometimes, the consequences of those things. And it's real, but it isn't changing God's disposition towards you. Verse 21. <laughs> Such an image. Therefore, hear this, you who are afflicted, who are drunk, but not with wine. <laughs> what are you drunk with? The consequences of your own actions, basically. Like running from God and the wrath that comes from that. It's such a, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting image. Thus says the Lord, the Lord your God, who pleads the cause of his people, behold... I have taken from your hand the cup of staggering. The bowl of my wrath, you shall drink no more. And I will put it in the hand of your tormentors who have said to you, bow down that we may pass over. Like the the things and the people that you're worrying about. Those who are not my people. And I think when you read that, I mean, lots of things probably pop in your mind when you read that section. But, but if we're, we know the story, so it's hard, but he's like talking to us about, like per- personalize it. I, I, I have ran from the Lord. I've been in different, these different places. I'm reaping the consequences of the things that I've done. I'm weak. I'm not able, like list out the reasons why we don't seek the Lord. And he's like, I know. And I'm actually going to take that away from you the, the wrath, the consequences, I'm going to take that away from you because I love you and I'm for you. Even as you walk away, I'm going to take that away from you. And in Isaiah 53, we'll get to that after Christmas, actually. He was wounded for our transgressions, right? <laughs> Like, Isaiah's unfolding how this works. But I thought we should we could go to Matthew and just listen to what Jesus has to say. I mean, it's one of those passages where, like, you can't even read it with enough, I don't know, like, weight. i say 26, 36, is that what I said? Here's Jesus, right before... He's taken away. And he's praying to God. Then Jesus went with them, with the disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And talking with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to his friends... My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Let this cup pass from me. They fell asleep. His friends fell asleep. He says, could you not watch with me one hour? Verse 41, he says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. I mean, here he is even caring for them. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. (laughs) Our brother... Jesus knows that we're weak because he himself took on flesh and wrestled with that. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. This is why I can say with confidence, the Lord is for you. This is why even as we run from the presence of God, or even just don't consider it regularly, you know, even as we see other things as more wonderful than God himself, things that he's made, even as we stress about things that are not even eternal, You and I, God's people, (laughs) regularly (laughs) are not approaching and enjoying God as we ought to. Christ has already drank the cup of his wrath for us. And his disposition doesn't change towards you. How many friends can you say that about? Don't look at your spouse, but can you even say that about them? <laughs> but I mean, like we disappoint people that love us in our life. And they're so, we're so wired for tit for tat that even with people that we love, we go after that. Don't project that on God. I mean, he is tit for tat. It's just he's provided that in the death and resurrection of Christ. He drank the cup. So he can take that cup away from you joyfully or or even as the author of Hebrews says, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Like there's no reason for you not to recognize that we look at all these other things around us or that we fear or that we doubt what God is doing or that he's for us There's no reason for us to like feel some conviction there, know that we're in the wrong and yet God is still arms wide open welcoming you back into his presence. It's his love for you that draws us deeper into who he is. This is basically what I think the next section is saying in in 52, uh, verses 1 through 12, it's just there's a lot of language around the new covenant. We could go to some places in Jeremiah. We could go to Hebrews 8. But look at the, look at what uh, God is, let's look at verses 3 through 6. Chapter 52, verses 3 through 6. It's a, it's a really good little summary of, like, the problem and the answer. <laughs> and, and we'll end with this. For thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, my people went down at first into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrians oppressed them for nothing. Now, therefore, what have I here? <laughs> What have I here, declares the Lord. Seeing that my people are taken away for nothing. Their rulers wail, declares the Lord, and continually all the day my name is despised. He's talking to his people and saying, running from me got you nowhere. And on top of that, you got nothing out of it. And on top of that, It makes me look bad because you're broadcasting to the world that God in and of himself is not sufficient. Every time you go somewhere else. And look at what he says. Therefore, in light of everything I just said, my people shall know my name, my character. Like what a, That's grace. That's giving you more of his good character when you deserve literally the opposite of that. My people shall know my name. Therefore, in that day, they shall know that it is I who speak. Like his answer to our foolishness is so that we would know him more and not like they're going to do the things and no, 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 no. He's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the one to reveal myself. And Hebrews 8 picks up on some of the passages here and said, this is why the new covenant is better because from the least to the greatest, everyone who is united to Jesus, everyone who is God's people will know who I am. God is determined to draw his people into his glorious presence. So when I say that if you seek God, he is for you. At the the most important level, that's what it means for him to be for you. He is for you knowing him being near him, being fulfilled by him, enjoying him, praising him, worshiping him. That's the chief end of man, is to enjoy his glory and his personal presence forever. So when you seek him, regardless of where you've fallen short, regardless of what you did, regardless of what you're worried about, regardless of your ability when you move towards him, he loves you enough to reveal himself to you because of what Christ has done. This is... (laughs) hard to really believe. <laughs> I think, you know, speak for myself. Like you haven't shamed your way away from him. Hebrews says today is the day of salvation. I think Isaiah is saying Christian. God is for you. <laughs> you seek him because of the servant not because of you he will graciously reveal himself to you and you can rest in that because that's forever this is not forever that's not forever but his commitment to you is forever Let's pray and thank him for that. God, help me just rest in that. Lord, I, um, I'm very thankful that I have not can't remove myself from your commitment to me i know that you are jesus says that he will raise up every last one that the father has given him and, and he won't lose a single one lord i pray that you would give me peace as i trust you with your people and i pray that at the end of the day lord that it would just draw me near to you as I'm able <laughs> I'm thankful even that your spirit intercedes on our behalf I and mean, if we don't know how to pray he's there drawing us into your presence Lord I pray that you would just encourage us this season as we deal with a craziness a little bit to enjoy the moments we have to draw near to you without guilt knowing that any way, shape, or form, Lord, that if if we seek you, you are for us. I thank you for that. In your name I pray, amen.